Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Thank you so much for joining me today. Whether you're looking to connect with your Scottish ancestors, you're a history buff looking to understand Scotland's wild history better, or you just watched an episode of Outlander and became curious, this podcast is for you. Rather than discussing general Scottish history, I focus on the clans specifically. Some episodes are academic, trying to understand how clans worked, what they were, etc. And some episodes are telling the cool stories from Scotland's colorful past. Some episodes combine the two. So whether you're new to the subject or a professor of Scottish studies, welcome to the Scottish Clans podcast. All right. Um, Look, like I've said the last two episodes, so this is a third part of a three-part series on clans that may or may not have fought at Bannockburn. And if you haven't listened to the previous two, it's not crucial to understanding what I'm about to share with you in this episode, but if you would like, go back and you can start at one and go two and then three, or you can just listen to this one and go back and catch up on the previous two episodes. So, some things before I launch into what uh, what the content is for today and clans that uh, maybe fought at Bannockburn, maybe they didn't. I want to talk about some things I'm really excited about coming up. I've got a speaking engagement next month, so in September. I don't know when you're listening to this, September of 2023. Um, I, I'm excited to get into live audiences, and that's actually something I have on my website of scottish-clans.com. I have a spot where there, you can go there and contact me about possible speaking engagements. I love teaching in person. In fact, I think I'm a lot better at it than this, what I'm doing right now. I, uh, I spent the better part of 14 years as a professional teacher, and I enjoy the interaction in the classroom with a live, right there in front of me, students. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that next month. Th- that's going to be on the Wasatch Front. Uh, more details to follow if you live anywhere within driving distance of the Wasatch Front, which is that part of Utah that's, well, th- I guess it's considered everything from about far west where Smith and Edwards is, all the way down to Payson. It's just a series of settlements, towns, cities along that mountain range, on the the west slopes of the Wasatch Range. So that's the Wasatch Front. If you live anywhere within driving distance of that, feel free to stay tuned for more details about that, and you may be interested in the uh, not only what I'm going to share there, but the bigger event that that's going to be part of. So stay tuned for details. Another thing that I'm very excited about way excited about is this weekend I will be in interviewing a professor who teaches in Scotland. This professor I have quoted many times on this podcast, and it is almost like getting to have a celebrity on. So I am, except for you would only know about this person if you were way into Scottish history or happened to attend university in Scotland and and uh, took one of this professor's classes. So stay tuned for details on that, because as soon as it happens, then I will I'll let you know about it. Anyway, I'm really excited about all that stuff. One thing that I'm way excited about, but that didn't is not in the future necessarily, but it's something that I just did, and that is I went online with the Origins of the Scottish Clans 101, uh, an online history course that I pre- that I prepared. I've presented. I think it's got some great content. It's perfect, perfect for the person who is maybe a little bit earlier on their journey to understand the Scottish clans. And it's a 
it's a course on the origins and where they came from. Now, I think that has huge implications down the chronological line into if you're studying, let's say you're more interested in the 1600s or 15 or even up into the 1700s, maybe clear up in the 1800s in the Jacobite, or I mean in the Highland Clearances, because how the Scottish clans formed where they came from and how they became what they became, I think is an important part of the story. And I think the course is, is well set up. Now, not perfect. And that's why the first 10 people who get on there with the passcode of beta, so when I ask you to enter in a code for a discount, it's beta. Um, try it. I don't know how case sensitive it is because I haven't really experimented with on that end of it. I'm on the creator's end, the teacher's end. and But that's the passcode, and it's limited to 10, the first 10 people that try it. And the, the price will be discounted significantly from where I've set it. I've set the price at a point which will weed out people who are casual about this. I don't want casual people to do this. I want people who are committed and really interested and are going to go the whole way through and and uh, and progress on from there. So, But I'm not saying the price of it now because I don't know what that price point looks like in the coming years. So I'm just going to say go to scottish-clans.com forward slash origins if you're interested in checking that out. All right, remember, if you want, want to be in the first 10 people and you want that uh, discounted price, passcode is beta, all right? Now, and, and let me know if there's any trouble with that. My, my email to get in, in contact with me is thescottishclans at gmail.com. With that said, let's get into the content, the whole reason you clicked on this episode. Now, once again, like the previous two episodes, I mentioned it there. This episode was inspired by a YouTube video that Michael did, who is the creator of the Clans and Dynasties YouTube channel. Go there, check him out. He has a lot of good things on there. I think he's doing a great job, and I don't know that he is ever listening to this, but Michael, if you are, I think you're awesome and you're doing some great things, so keep up the good work, brother. So he did a video that was talking about which clans fought at the Battle of Bannockburn. And I thought, wow, what an interesting topic, because there's a lot of clans that claim to have. And he goes through, the, the problem is there's no list of, here's everybody that enrolled and fought. There is a list of some of the major uh, military leaders that were in, involved in that. And there's actually information about where they drew their men from that they were commanding. So that's a hint, and that can lead us down a trail. But there's nothing definitive that says these clans fought. Now, there's several clans that claim to have been there. And toward the end of Michael's video, there is a shot, a screenshot that has it listed of the different clans that claim to have been there. And I thought, okay, that's an interesting list. And I actually froze it on, I paused the video right there, and I wrote down those. And so what we're doing here, in case you're just catching up on this video and you haven't watched the previous two, is we're taking a look at a sampling of those clans, and we're going to look at their origins. So the goal is not to say by the end of the video whether they for sure fought or did not. Um, that's not my, my goal. My goal is to look at their origin and see whether they even existed as a clan by the Battle of Bannockburn, which happened in 1314. Now, the reason I think this is so fascinating is because this time period was right in the middle 
of when a lot of clans were actually forming in the shape that we would recognize them in later times. The the names of the clans and the surnames that we're familiar with, even people, maybe you have one of these surnames, maybe it's farther back in your family tree, and these surnames are all around us. As I'm uh, used to, I don't know if it's still there, as I used to drive back from Logan up to Grace, where I used to live, Grace, Idaho, Logan, Utah, just on opposite sides of the border there. We used to pass through Preston, Idaho, and there was a McKenzie Law Office. And I, every time I saw it, I thought of Clan McKenzie. Uh, I just had moved up here recently to Cache Valley from Santa Quin, Utah. And down there, as you drive through downtown Santa Quin, there's the Chisholm Dentistry. And every time I thought about the Clan Chisholm. And in fact, I actually got to uh, have a brief conversation with a member of that family, and, and they thought it was interesting. I don't know how interesting they thought it, and if they're listening now, then hey, there's some free advertising for you, but, uh, but or maybe they never did. And they're like, oh, that's nice, and they went back to fixing people's teeth. So anyway, um, in the form that we would recognize today, that the, the time that the Battle of Bannockburn happened was right in that period where that's a lot, a lot of that is happening. Now, some of those clans were actually growing out of earlier kindreds that had different names. So let's get on with it and discuss the remainder of the clans in my list of, of the sampling that I took from the, uh, the video of, from Clans and Dynasties. So the first one we're going to, well, maybe just a quick recap of the ones we discussed in the past. Now, if you want to hear my conclusions on them, you got to go back and listen to those episodes because I don't want to take a ton of time with this, but I'm just going to list the clans that we've already looked at. We've talked about the Campbells, the Douglases, the Gordons, the Keiths. That was episode one, well, the first episode in this. It was episode 142. This, uh, 143, this part two of this series, the clans we looked at there were the Kennedys, the McFarlands and the Lennox Earls, the descendants of Summerled, McDougal, McDonald, and McAllister, um, minus the McRorys because they weren't, uh, they did not survive m- uh, much beyond a couple generations after the Battle of Bannockburn as a clan. They were absorbed into Clan Donald through marriage mostly. Uh, there's a longer story there, but I want to get into it. We also looked at the McGregors and the Mackays. McKay, some of you, probably a lot. If you're, most of my listeners are actually in the United States. And so here we tend to pronounce it McKay, but the original pronunciation was Mackay. So if you want to hear the conclusions and, and the results and what I found out about any of those in relation to when they formed and whether they are a clan or not, sorry, a clan or not by the time of Battle of Bannockburn in 1314, go back and check those out. So we're going to start this episode off with the Mackenzies. Now, the Mackenzies are tough. Whew, I tell you what, they don't enter the, the historical record until way late. There's such a dearth of, of any kind of evidence of them in the historical record. Even, and I've got the works of scholars to work with. Well, that, that is one little thing I want to add here. I tried to use scholarly sources for this when I could. When I couldn't, I would check both the clan website like see what the current descendants of those, these clans are saying about their origins. And then I'd also try Wikipedia. Usually I'd skim down to the bottom. I'd read what Wikipedia, what the article had to say, but I'd also check refer- the sites, the citations, the references down at the bottom. Because sometimes there is really good scholarly sources down in there. So that's kind of where I was digging into. I For the Mackenzie specifically, I've had the benefit of, you have, um, he always 
signs his names in Gal his name to his papers in Gallic, so I'm gonna try to stick with him instead of just anglicizing his name, which would be Angus Mackenzie, but it's Angus McKinnich. McKinnich. Ah, I I'm probably just messing it all up. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. He's probably not because he knows a billion times more, but um, he, I have his writings to help out with the Mackenzies. Not all clans have somebody like him writing on their clan. So, and this would be his. He uses the Gallic version of Mackenzie as he signs his, his papers, but even he digs into this, and I'll tell you what I found. Um, it's hard to tell when, they ex when exactly they formed as a clan. There's theories out there, but it looks like they might descend... Th they might descend from a younger son of Gileon of the Ard and began to take shape as a kindred in the middle of the 13th century, so 1200s. So if this is true, they would have been a young clan, but could have been about in the same stage of development as the McDonald's were by the time of Bannockburn. Now, if you want to like I said, go back and check out what we learned about the McDonald's and where they were in the development of their clan. They would have been young, maybe not much more than an extended family, some cousins and stuff that may also be bearing the same surname. And surnames were mostly only born by any people of higher social status. But these people were, and they might have been starting to use that name. Um, people were starting to use the name within a couple of generations of the person they're taking their name from. So grandsons, great-grandsons, right in there, they might be starting to use that. So so right about the time of Bannockburn, you might have kind of an embryonic version of the Mackenzies. All right, so that's, that's what I found about them. That doesn't for sure prove that they were there, but their founding father, if these theories are true about the descent and when and who everybody lived and all that stuff. We just don't have actual record of, of an actual Mackenzie on the record until the 1400s. It's way late. But they were they were up and going before that, before they appear on the historical records, but that's when, when we get it. All right, let's shift over to the Macintoshes, the, the captains of Clan Catton. Collins Encyclopedia, Collins Encyclopedia, well, let me back up. The Collins Scottish Clan and Family Encyclopedia, basically the Scottish Clan Bible. Not that everything in there is, uh, it's pretty good. I'm, it's pretty good. Go back and check out my one of my very early episodes on sources for what I think about that. But it says that they supported the the Bruce. The, Mac, the Macintoshes supported Bruce. It doesn't say specifically that they're at Bannockburn, but it says that they supported Bruce. Okay. But Professor Alison Cathcart, another Scottish professor that I have quoted from at length on this podcast, in a footnote of Kinship and Clientage says that Angus Mackintosh would have followed his feudal superior Thomas Randolph to battle at Bannockburn on the side of Bruce. So if their traditional story is correct and they were descended from Shaw Macduff, from the Fife Macduffs, the, 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 who were the earls of Fife at the time, um, then, and, and at that time, the Shaw Macduff participated in suppressing a rebellion in Murray in 1160. So this Shaw Macduff that they claim to descend from, and if that, if he lived and he's in 1160 and this, he helped with this rebellion that's well documented, then they would have been well established as a clan by the time of Bannockburn in 1314. There are other th theories to their origin, 
just know that, okay? But if that narrative is true, that would have given them plenty of generations to be up and going by the time of, of 1160, or by, sorry, by the time of 1314. The next clan that we're going to look at are the, is the Clan Murray. The senior line of Freskin used the style de Moravia. And, and I believe, I want to think that we see that form, that, that style pop up in documents, probably a lot of them which were originally written in Latin. And so we see the Latin form of the name. The Gallic w- way of saying, it's basically saying of Murray, the province of Murray. They were given extensive land holdings for helping the Scottish king crush a rebellion up there. And in Murray, which had been a trouble spot for the the kings of Scots. And so they plant somebody who they know is going to be, is an effective and capable leader and is going to be a good person to have in a, in a troublesome area. So Freskin, who some believe was a Flemish immigrant, we did a, we've done a lot of content in the past and other episodes on them. So I'm not going to go to too much detail, but he uses the style and his descendants use the style de Moravia. And Gallic, Moravia would be more like Murav, and in English it'd be Murray. And so you have a, most of the kindred is instead of, I wonder if outside of Latin documents, if they ever used de Moravia, if they just started to use some form of the province of Murray, and there we have it. Now, this is, I, I just wonder if they're the same thing. The, the last name of Murray really is what was being used all along, and that's what this kindred is known for. A branch of the Sutherland line maintained the Murray surname and became the Murrays of Aberscores. And they actually became the military leaders of the Earls of Sutherland. Okay, but they retained the Murray surname. So if de Moravia equals Murray, then Freskin would have been the first Murray with the senior line of his descendants adopting the territory-derived, that's a territory-derived surname of Sutherland. So the senior line adopts the name Sutherland, and the junior line keeps the, the surname of Murray. And, so, and, the, and they actually spread out all over. The Murrays become very powerful. Throughout Scotland, the Sutherlands are more localized, but still very, um, very big, a very powerful kindred up in the far north of Scotland. Um, as you're going north, you have Sutherland, and then after that, it's Caithness, and that's all you've got of mainland Scotland. After that, it's the Orkney Isles and then the Shetland Isles. Okay, so there there we have it. So if really, if you have a kindred calling themselves Murray, and really that's on the ground, not in Latin documents, what how they're being referred to it by, then Freskin was the first Murray, and maybe just a few generations after him, you have this well-established. He lived in the 1100s. That gives us plenty of generations leading up into the Battle of Bannockburn. So I'm going to go ahead and reach out on a limb and say that the Murrays were pretty well established by the Battle of Bannockburn. They could have absolutely, absolutely, in fact, one of the major heroes, and he doesn't get talked about as much as William Wallace, but Andrew, Andrew of of Murray or Andrew, Andrew de Moravia, he's a part of this kindred. So how could we overlook that that major fact that we have a member of this this old by this time or, or I should say established kindred and playing a major part in the Scottish Wars of Independence and fighting valiantly alongside William Wallace. William Wallace has gotten a lot more attention than Andrew Murray or Andrew de Moravia or however he went by 
interpersonally, not on the records, but um, yeah. So that these, I think it's safe to say that the Murrays were up and going as a clan by the time of Bannockburn. What about the Sin- Sinclairs? Their surname was in place with plenty of time for this Norman kindred to develop into a clan coming from their lands in northern France. Okay, so they they were some Norman families adopted names from adopted place names that they gained territory in in Scotland um, or a job name. The Stuarts weren't called Steward or Stuart until they had established themselves and from that position in Scotland. Coming into Scotland, they didn't carry that name. The Douglases, the Innises, another two families that came in with the Normans, although they were Flemish in origin, they come in um, and then adopt their surnames from place names that they gained territory in. The Keiths may have uh, had a similar, Keiths had a similar story to them. But the Sinclairs were, they actually believed they came in to Scotland already bearing the name St. Clair. So um, that's plenty of time to have developed. So they probably entered Scotland, maybe even entered England with that name, and that gives them tons of time. They had obtained the barony of Roslyn by the time of Bannockburn, but had yet to establish themselves in the far north, i.e. Caithness and Orkney. So the Sinclairs were absolutely up and going by the time of the Battle of Bannockburn. What about the Sutherlands? So this is the other, like the Sutherlands and the Murrays are kind of two sides of the same coin. They are the senior line, as I mentioned before, descended from Freskin de Moravia. But they obtained, they, they may have started using Sutherland as a surname in the first half of the 1200s. So this would give them a few generations of time before Bannockburn, all right? So uh, when I say they may have started using the surname of Sutherland instead of de Moravia on the ground, they're starting to use use this territorial name. De Moravia is a territorial name too, but a branch of the family is get, gets a hold of Sutherland, and eventually that becomes an earldom, and they take their name from that and use that as a surname. So the Sutherlands were absolutely up and going had plenty of time to develop as a clan prior to Bannockburn, and so therefore could have fought there. And and then we have, and maybe they fought alongside their kinsman, Andrew Murray. That'd be something to look into, and maybe some, some of you who are listening already know the answer to that, so that'd be awesome if you could um, reach out and, and let me know. The Cummins, of course they were a clan. They're like the, the clan in Scotland by the time of Bannockburn. The, uh, they, were, they were in this time period like what the Campbells were in the 1600s. That's how powerful they were. Now, their base was in of, of territory, their strength and their home country was in, in Buchan, up in the north, very northeast of Scotland, and then in Badenoch, where later the McPhersons would settle in. And it is believed, if you go back to my episode on the McPhersons, that the McPhersons actually gained that territory by pushing the Cummins out, which is exactly what they were encouraged to do by Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce said, hey, you can have that whole valley, as much of that valley as you can take from the, the, the Cummins. But that's where they were established prior to this whole conflict. So absolutely, the Cummins were not only up and going, but very powerful when the Battle of Bannockburn happened. And just a little little note in there for those of you who are kind of new to Scottish history, those of you who are not already know this, but it was John Cummin who was closely related, John Cummin III, who was very closely related to the, the John Balliol, who was actually still the king, um, at the at the time that he and Bruce are having these interactions, and he's also the brother-in-law of the chief of the MacDougals, 
So he's very tightly connected. Um, may, yeah, yeah, very, very powerful kindred base in the northeast of Scotland, but they actually had castles throughout. So just just kind of a cool little background on the Cummins. Maybe they existed, they held on like the McDougals did in a much reduced form after these, after this age, after this time period, and they would extend. And now I actually served in the 405th Civil Affairs with, uh, with uh, a gentleman. Uh, he's retired as well as me, and his last name is Cummings. So it was a, a form of the Cummin surname. So we still have them around today. They, they kept on going. As, as did the McDougals, but their territory was a small, small sliver of what it used to be at their height. So interesting stories, interesting to study the trajectories of this clan, but that's all I got, guys. That was, uh, so we covered just in summary here, we went back, we started with Mackenzie's. Mackenzie's, mm, maybe, maybe a, a very early form of that clan, uh, not very many generations out from them adopting that their their surname maybe in the same stage of development as the McDonald's were at this time Macintoshes if the traditional narrative is true could have been absolutely um, the Murrays for sure for sure they were a standard established as a kindred so were the Sinclairs the Sutherlands sure yep uh, as a as a surname Sutherland isn't as old as Murray their cousins but uh, but they theoretically could have been a, an actual kindred using the name of Sutherland by this time by the time of Bannockburn and the Cummins sorry the Cummins uh, for sure just it was they had their power was throughout Scotland <coughs> apologize excuse me for that should edit it out but I probably won't just to keep going anyway I hope you've enjoyed this if you have um, reach out to me if you got anything further feedback or specific things that you want to communicate to me. It's the Scottish clans at gmail.com. If the, you found this to be beneficial to you, share it with somebody who you think would like it. Um, if you want to contribute to the cause, go to scottish-clans.com forward slash team and you can buy me a drink or buy me a book. If you want to up it up the ante a little bit, you can do that as a one-time contribution or you can make it a reoccurring uh, donation, however, whatever you feel comfortable with. And if you don't want to, and you just love podcasts because they're free, then that's awesome. Keep going like that. But I appreciate you spending a little time with me. And that's all I got for the clans of Bannockburn, Marish and Leib and Drasta.